where our highest priority is making God real in your life. You can visit us online at womanatthewellministries.org. Now sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen our daily walk with Jesus Christ. In this, our current series, we're walking through the Psalms, focusing not only on what they say, but also how they are an expression of worship. We're taking note of how the Psalms encourage us to praise God for who he is and what he has done. We're going to point out the greatness of God and recognize his faithfulness to us in times of trouble. In other words, we praise God, learn of him, and celebrate his goodness. Thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries as Kim and Erica have a conversation as we walk through the scriptures, today focusing on Psalms 34. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries. What a joy it is to spend the next few moments with you talking about Psalms 34 and just letting the word of God seep through our minds and soak into our hearts. I am Kim Miller, and I'm sitting alongside of Erica Close. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. And we are hoping that you are ready to hear from the Lord as we hear with you what he has to say to us in Psalms 34. I'm going to read the first 11 verses for you, and then Erica will read the remaining 11. Psalms 34.1 begins as this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked into him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord." What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, 
but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. What an amazing passage of scripture Psalms 34 is for us as we allow it to soak into our hearts and minds. But I am so struck by verse 34.3 that says that, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I believe if you would to take the foundation of what Eric and I are trying to do through One at the Well Ministries and allowing God to do through us and what a privilege it is to be able to serve him in this capacity. We are trying to exalt the Lord and to magnify him and lift him up. It isn't anything that we do or any capabilities that we may or may not have that is the essence of Woman at the Well Ministries. It is the work of the Lord in each of us, and we want you to know him in the way that we know him personally and have a true relationship with him. And so we want to spend this time with you, and we're grateful that you choose to spend it with us as we spend around the throne with him. And I love the fact that he says that we are the, the psalmist David says that he continually magnifies the Lord or he blesses the Lord and he praises him continually with his lips. And his entire goodness or what he's proud of, his boast is in the Lord. And I appreciate that so much about the psalmist David. And I think each of us could take a reflection upon our lives and just look at that and say, hey, what does our lives really speak of? And what does our lives magnify? You know, I think that I think that's such a honestly, I love that that word choice there because it says to magnify. And we think of what does it mean to to magnify something, right? It's to make it visible. It's to make the things that are small visible to to the human eye, to the human understanding. It's to take something that is so small as to almost be imperceptible and make it visible and make it so that everyone can see it. And so if we're magnifying the Lord within me, right, the Lord in me is one thing. But if I make the Lord in me visible to everyone else, I am magnifying him, right? I'm magnifying the Lord that is in me and allowing others to see what it looks like to have the to have the Lord in my life and to, I want everyone to see the evidence of the Lord in my life. And I, it just really, as we were, you were reading, I was remembering that in Luke, in Luke one forty six, that's when um, the angel has come to Mary, right? And, and Mary has, um, you know, has found out that she's with child. And Mary says, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior. Right? So Mary was her the her goal was that her soul would make big god right and that's what this psalm says they david is saying that we are to magnify god that all would see and i love the fact that relative to the things of this world we as an individual person are very small Mm -hmm. but god is huge in us amen But for some of us, we hide him away and tuck him away, and so he's not visible in that huge, magnified way. Well, I think we talked to you about the Lord being personal. When we say something is personal, I think there's a danger there in making it small, right? Personal sometimes means it's just about me, but that's not true, right? I have a personal relationship with a very big Jesus, 
And my job is to show him off to everyone. And we know him so well personally that we can magnify him. But the question remains is what does your life magnify? What is the first thing someone says when somebody says, describe Kim Miller, describe Erica Close, describe, place your name into that blank? You know, how far down the list does it get before they come up with she loves the Lord or he loves the Lord? We really should strive for people to know very quickly and for it to be such a trademark signature of who we are, that we are Christ followers, that it comes up very quickly in a description of who we are. And I think that an exercise that that you should try sometime and you know, maybe I spent too much time in my career with with doing icebreakers and <laughs> and get to know you exercises and team building. But but I think you should get in a group of your friends, mixed group of all these different people, and maybe try it at your birthday or sometime when you really are the the center of what's going on, and just ask them to write a simple paragraph of who you are, and to slip it. They don't have to sign it. Slip it into a box. And then when everybody's gone and you're sitting with just you and the Lord, read those paragraphs and really take an honest evaluation. How far down did it get before they said I was Christ follower? Did they say it at all? Is my trademark signature that I love Jesus? Have I left a stamp in their heart that says Jesus is Lord? of my life and can be of yours as, as well. It's a wonderful exercise that, that I encourage you to try before the end of the year. Before uh, we, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say before we, I thought you were going to go on to the next verses, but before we go any further, I think it's really important, you know, you, you use the phrase trademark. You know, and when we think of trademarks, we often think of trademarks, you know, as for products and logos. But the thing about a trademark is that it's very recognizable. And I think that, you know, when we think about, you know, what is our, our trademark, what is the thing that is recognizable, what's the thing that people see, it's just another way of really thinking, are they seeing him? Absolutely. Is he going to be part of the logo that's, you know, the logo for Kim, the logo for Erica, right? Absolutely. But as we do travel further into Psalms 34 and we look at verses um, four, five, and six, we see that he says he sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. It's a, it's a very simple recipe. Seek the Lord. He will hear you and he will deliver you. But when we seek the Lord, I want you to really pay close attention to what it means to seek the Lord. It's not just wailing out and begging and crying and, and screaming and gnashing of teeth and, and the louder you scream and the more tears that you get, the more attention of him you get. That's not what seeking the Lord is. And there are times in your life when things are so desperate that you may employ all of those things as you are pouring your heart out to the Lord. But don't make a mistake that those actions are what's getting God's attention. It's the genuineness of your heart that is being seen by others, perhaps, in those actions that are getting his attention. It's not the actions. It's the genuineness, the authenticity, the sincerity of your heart. And when we seek the Lord, 
that means we have ourselves in right standing. Because you don't go looking for somebody who's going to not receive you. You don't go chasing someone down who has a ought against you that's going to deliver punishment. No, you seek someone who you get in front of their presence and you're able to talk to them and request of them and to have a personal relationship with that person. When you're seeking someone, then you've got yourself in a place that has the right to seek them. And the Bible says that seeking you shall find and knocking it shall be open to you. And it begins with ask and you shall receive in Matthew 7, 7. And what we see is that when we are seeking the Lord, we have first sought his face to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have the established relationship with him that we are a child of God. We are seeking his guidance and his instructions to live in his presence and to live the way that he asks us to live. And as a result of that, when we are seeking his will, we know that we can hear and he can bless us because we've allowed him to cleanse us. We are not coming seeking him for his guidance and his direction with an unclean vessel. We come to him with an unclean vessel seeking his forgiveness and asking for his forgiveness. But this says he was seeking the Lord. He was asking the Lord for something to bless him. And in this case, he was asking the Lord to deliver him from his fears. And we don't come asking the Lord for something when we are unfit to receive it. When the woman at the, came to the well, to gain water, she came with a vessel that was empty and could receive the water. Now, she left with a clean vessel inside, but when she come for the water, she came with a vessel that could receive it. We as Christians in this setting need to realize when we seek the Lord, we need to come as Christians who are in right standing with the Lord, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We've first given our life to him. We've received that salvation, and we are asking the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct us. And more importantly, we are obeying the commandments of the Holy Spirit. And we are in right standing so he can bless us, and we are in a position where we can receive those blessings. So I love so much how that connects to verse 5, because you were talking about the woman at the well, you were talking about how we have to come to Jesus um, with our vessel clean. And verse 5 says, they looked unto him and were, and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. So their shame was able to go away because of what the Lord had done, right? Because he had lightened them, right? He had given them light. He had cleaned them up and they were no longer ashamed, and then verse 6, too, David refers to himself. He says he calls himself like a poor man, right? This, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. I love that because that connotation of him being a poor man means he really had nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. And he certainly wasn't powerful in his own right in his mind. You know, he comes to the Lord and needs him. And he's a king, and that says something. Yeah. But I am glad that we can all come to him because no matter what our stature is, it doesn't have any bearing on who we are before God because when we stand before God, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And that's really all all of us are. And we all come equally as the woman at the well did, regardless of our past, our current, present 
means whatever we think our capabilities are or aren't or, or what our own sustenance may be that we feel that we can provide for ourselves, we come equally the same, which is we are as filthy rags without the blood of Jesus to wash us white as snow. I love that. And I think those three verses all talk specifically about that. And then we go into these two, two verses that, or maybe three verses that are just so good, such promises there. And when we begin to look at 7, 8, and 9, we see in 7 that we don't have to beckon the Lord. He's already there. And we all know my favorite story, account of the scriptures, where Peter's on the water and he doesn't call for the Lord. The Lord is already there. And when he recognizes the Lord and asks the Lord to save him, the Lord immediately reaches down and saves him. And we need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord, as Peter did when he did. He was able to to stay afloat and do amazing things. But when he began to look around him or begin to think of what he could or couldn't do, then he began to sink. But the Lord was already there in that whole situation providing for Peter. And this is what he's telling us in verse 7. He delivers those that fear him, those that have an understanding of the greatness of God and realize that our position in him is one of greatness because he's there, but our position without him is of no regard. Because compared to God, we are minuscule at best. But in him, we have the greatness of God that dwells inside of us. And that is an amazing concept. And he wants you to taste and see that the Lord is good because blessed is the man that trusts him. He's saying, try him out. See what he can do. Know his presence. Understand who he is. Allow him to deliver you. Trust in him for all things and in all ways. And when you do this, when you do this, you will find that he is good. We've been spending the last several weeks of those who get the Woman at the Well Bible bits, which are a a uh, daily devotion that comes every Monday through Friday at a.m. to your text if you subscribe to this off of our website or our app. And if you do that, then you get these devotions. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about how the trusting in the Lord reaps many benefits. And none are greater than this right here. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. We are blessed with peace provision, and our absolute safety when we trust in the Lord. And I love in that verse that it talks about how good God is and that we're blessed because we trust in him. It's not, it's a, it's not about us changing. It's about the goodness of God. It's not like I have to become good to be blessed you know, I have to trust in him and he will change me, but it's about who he is. Yeah, because it doesn't matter who you are. If you trust in him, you're going to be blessed. And he says that there's no want in those that fear him. That means in the people who fear God so that they live in his commandments and underneath his protection in the center of his will, have all that they need and live the abundant life he promises in John chapter 10. And it talks about that, You know, even the lions who are the king of the jungle, they hunger and they lack some stuff. But But when you seek seek the Lord, they don't want any good thing. And you know what another blessing is? Is that there are things that we want. 
that we think that we need, that the Lord withholds from us, that we find later down the road, had we had that, we would not have lived the life that he intended, and we would have missed blessings or maybe disqualified ourselves from things that we couldn't get an opportunity to do later that were greater for us because he sees the full picture. I know I, for one, had a dream. I wanted, like anything, to be a professional tennis player. And I worked very hard at that and had opportunities that looked like things were going in that direction. And then suddenly it was no longer what I could do. I had an injury. And I remember feeling like all was lost. But I I know that I know that I know that had that prayer been answered or that dream come true, I would have not had the relationship with Jesus that I have right now. And it has nothing to do with tennis being sinful, wicked, or evil. But I wouldn't have had the time to devote to it. I wouldn't have understood what it meant to sit in the center of his will and to do his work and his service as him being premier and my center focus. And so I am glad that that didn't work out that way. And I think so many times that's the way it is. The good things he doesn't withhold. And sometimes there are things we desperately want that we don't get. And we're upset about that. And, but we need to trust that he is real. And that he is omnipotent and omniscient. And that when he says no, it's for our good. And that's a mature Christian who understands that. That's one who's seeking the Lord and fully trusts him. And I think as we move into that next section, starting in verse 11, I think that David talks, is speaking to what it means to, to become a mature believer, right? Because he's saying, come ye children, come as children. I think he's speaking both to children or those who are coming to faith, you know, as a child, hearken unto me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He will, he's saying you have to learn how to have that, that godly fear, right? That fear and respect for who God is. And he's in the in verse twelve. He's ta- saying, "You know, what is what is man? What man is he that desireth life? Like, what is it that that we want in this life? What is it that we that we need to do? What is the key to having a long life?" And then he goes in in verse thirteen, and he starts talking about that those things that help us to have a long and good life, and they're all things that are about holiness, right? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. We need to learn how to restrain our tongues, right? How to restrain and hold back the things um, that we're speaking of. Because he tells us in the scripture later on, he says that we are to live peaceably with all men as, as it is possible. And when you're stirring up strife or fighting or arguing or bickering, that's not showing the love of God, and it certainly isn't living peacefully. And verse 14, it talks about that as well. Depart from evil and do good. It's not just that you keep from doing evil, Bad. right? You do, you do good things too and seek peace, right? We're seeking peace with all men. We're, we're not just seeking peace, but we're pursuing peace. We are peace We are actively makers. trying to get it. We are making it happen. Right. And the eye, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. I want the Lord's ears to be open to me. And we know he camps around about us. He does. And he's there to deliver us, but we have to trust him 
to see him, to believe him, to understand, to lay our burdens at his feet. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find help in time of trouble. I mean, he is asking us to lay our burdens at his feet, and we can only do that when we fully trust. If you look at verse 15, where we read about how his ears are open to their cry, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, right? We're made righteous in Christ, and his eyes are on us. I want his ears open. I want his eyes on me. Because and we have to seek holiness with the, so that we can, again, be that vessel that can receive. So we are not speaking guile. We are doing good. We are living peacefully among men. We are living the commandments God has given us, and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct us. And when we do step left or right of center, we are asking for that forgiveness, and he says that he will, he will forgive us. Because we don't want to be like verse 16, right? Verse 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth, right? We, we, we all know or have read, hopefully, the, um, the accounts of Jesus on the cross. You know, when our sin was on Jesus, the Lord couldn't look on him, right? The Lord's eyes couldn't be on Jesus. Right. 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, but 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil, right? The, just as the Lord couldn't look at Jesus when the sin of the world was upon him, the Lord will turn his face. He can't look at the sin, right? He can't, he can't look at the sin. He can't look at the evil. So we don't want, we want 15, right? We don't want to be characterized by what we read in 16. And David tells us um, in another place in the Psalms that we can't regard iniquity in our heart or the Lord won't hear us. So God only hears that prayer of the center of repentance. And we need to realize that this righteousness, this departing from evil, this doing good is what the Holy Spirit within us will enable us to do because we can't do that on our own. But if we're seeking the Lord and following his commandments, the Holy Spirit will empower us to live that kind of life. And the Lord is watching and he is looking. And, and the ultimate goal is 17 where he says, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles because they have lived trusting him fully in the center of his will. I think it's kind of key in that verse that the Lord delivers them out of their troubles, meaning there will still be troubles, but the Lord makes a way out of them. And verse 18, the Lord's nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Broken hearts are going to happen for many reasons, but the Lord is near those that have a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit, right? That, that contrition, that repentance leads the Lord to save us out of, out of our sorrow, out of all of our situations. And sometimes our sorrow is brought upon our disobedience. And I am so glad to know that when I do step left of center of his will, that he doesn't just drop me or cut me off or forsake me or leave me. He's near to me when my heart is broken about it. And I am repenting. I mean, the psalmist David is a prime example of someone who slips and slides from the center. But he comes back with such repentance. And he slips 
usually something slightly different than the one before, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, he really comes with that contrite heart. And the Lord says he is near to them, and he delivereth, and he's nigh to the brokenhearted. Because there are afflictions for the righteous, but he delivers us out of them all. And we see that because, you know, man's born of a woman in a few days full of trouble. We see that, you know, the, Lord, the world despised him. He's gonna, the world's going to despise us. You know, we are living in a world we do not belong in. We do not fit. And if you find yourself fitting into the world, you need to really take a close examination of what's going wrong in your life because we are to be a peculiar person, zealous of good works. Because we want the Lord's deliverance, right? And we want the Lord's presence and preservation. That next verse to me about he keepeth all his bones and not one of them is broken, right? The, the Lord preserves the righteous. He's going to preserve all of our pieces, right? Our pieces of our lives, pieces of our bodies, pieces of our hearts. So it says not one of the bones is broken, right? He, we are so preserved out of the righteousness that he gives us. And the next verse in 21 explains that the evil don't have that preservation. Mm-hmm. They are slayed by the wicked. And those that hate righteousness, they're living in desolation. They don't have that lifeline of who Jesus is. And then the psalmist David culminates the entire chapter of Psalm 34 with this truth and this promise. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. You'll never be alone because he never leaves you nor forsake you. And what a tremendous chapter and passage Psalms 34 is. And I hope it has been as much of a delight to you to walk through these scriptures with Eric and I as it has been for us. And we pray that it stimulates your heart and your mind to dig deeper into this chapter and into the Bible itself and to learn and understand the promises that you may employ them in your daily life, that you may know the love of God and his presence is real for you day to day. Let's pray. Our kind and most gracious to Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your presence in our life. I thank you that when we trust in you, you deliver us and you preserve us, that you give us understanding and direction, and that your favor and your blessing is upon us. Lord, I would ask that you would place your favor and a blessing upon all those who support Women at the Well Ministry with their prayers, with their attention, Lord, with their attendance to the things that you have given us to offer them. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to be the servant to you that we are called upon to be, that we would be the Christians that you would ask us to be, and Lord, that we would be true Christ followers and that our identity would be lost in your magnification of our life. Lord, allow us to magnify you and to demonstrate your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your love in all that we say or do. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Remember, you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you all for joining us today in this program of Woman at the Well Ministries. We pray that it has been a blessing to you and we encourage you to reach out to us through our website or our Facebook page. You can find us at watwm.org and at facebook.com slash watwm where you will find devotions and many additional Bible resources to enhance your personal walk with God. 
Women of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father, and it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. If you would like to partner with Women at the Well Ministries, please visit our website at watwm.org. We would like to thank the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us play their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. Know that we pray for our listeners. Remember that God loves you and you are loved. Happy girl.